The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and yes, I'm still on vacation. I'm sure I've missed some White Sox news while I've been away. Today, I'm sailing from New Zealand to Australia, and I figured what a perfect time to talk about a topic I've wanted to do a show about for a while. I'm fascinated by Australian baseball. We've seen some major leaguers from down under, obviously for the White Sox, the most notable is Liam Hendricks. Growing up in Wisconsin, I got to watch Dave Nielsen mash with the Milwaukee Brewers in the 90s, and he made the All-Star game in his last season in the majors back in 1999. Nielsen, by the way, is currently the manager for Australia's national team. Australian baseball is overshadowed by Japan and South Korea, but with each passing World Baseball Classic, the Aussies are getting better. And this upcoming college baseball season, a preseason All-American is making some noise while climbing up the draft rankings to be the first Australian ever taken in the first round. Joining the Sox Machine podcast is one of our long-distance friends. He's been one of our supporters for quite some time, and for the Aussies listening to this episode, you can listen to him on the Sports Discussion podcast. It's AJ Mithin, and hey, AJ, thanks for joining the Sox Machine podcast. Josh, I can't lie. This is a big thrill. Been listening to Sox Machine for many, many years, and it's about time we got to talk some Aussie ball on it, so let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely. So with you living in Australia, I have to ask, how did you choose the Chicago White Sox as your team to follow? Oh, it's a it's an interesting story. Back in the probably early 90s, 1991, um, I started getting into playing baseball, but there wasn't any baseball on TV here. You had to basically check the papers for a series result. You couldn't get a game by game result or anything like that unless you had relatives over there who could dial it back to you. Um, that's all. That all changed pretty quickly when uh, dial up and everything came along. But yeah, I um, started off. There was a shop, baseball shop near me that I went in there, and David Clarkson, who was a catcher for Australia, um, owned it. And uh, we were talking about the game there, and then I kind of fell into the White Sox through that. So, been a White Sox fan ever since, probably 1991. But um, it has just been tricky until probably mid 90s late 90s to start keeping up with what was actually happening on the field it's just kind of yeah i like the white Sox. i got a cap 
But uh, could I name you a player? I could do maybe Aussie, Frank, you know, a um, couple others. But, you know, from there, it was until we were able to get more information to us, it was, uh, yeah, I'm making it sound like we were, you know, some sort of uh, archaic sort of set up miles away, but we were <laughs> back in the early 90s. But, yeah, but, um, no, much easier now to uh, watch the Sox stink it up. Yeah, on that note, like for, like, Americans that love rugby, like rugby wasn't that big of a thing in the 90s in the States unless you played in college. So if you wanted to follow what's happening in the Rugby World Cup, they had to pay incredible fees for like pay-per-view mm. uh, back in the satellite dish era. So I totally understand. I and mean, that's a good time to become a White Sox fan. I mean, 93, the ALCS team, uh, Frank Thomas, as you mentioned. Yeah, uh, that's also when I became a White Sox fan. And in the United States, when it comes to the sport of baseball, it used to be the national pastime, but I think that's clearly American football and basketball in some ways has passed baseball in popularity. So the sport of the States has a growth issue, and that's what they're trying to focus on, AJ, is how can we grow the sport of baseball again? From an outsider's perspective, me, dumb American, when I think of Australian sports, it's rugby, cricket, Aussie rules football, which I love to watch, but I don't know what is going on. And <laughs> Olympic swimming, when it comes to baseball, how well is the sport received in Australia? Well, it's received really well, but there's kind of a hierarchy here in Australia of sport. Australian rules football is king. That gets like the one and a half or almost $2 billion broadcast deal here for television, um, online, radio, all that sort of thing. Um, wow. That's about 50 bucks American at the moment. But um, then there's uh, rugby league, uh, which is a different form of rugby. Uh, there's rugby union as well, um, and but cricket is also there as well. So the top three would be Aussie rules uh, is the top. Then you'd have rugby league. Then you have cricket, but they would probably be the same. And they take all of the money for broadcasting. For uh, they take all of the reporters for sports reporting. They they take basically all of the oxygen out of the sports broadcasting room. So there is huge support here for baseball. Um, both, you know, it's latent. You'll see merch everywhere when you're here. Um, there's uh, everyone's got a, everyone's got an MLB team, but not everyone necessarily has an ABL, an Australian Baseball League team. And a lot of people don't actually realise that the Australian Baseball League is a thing. So when guys like Liam Hendricks sign a deal for 71 mil our money, um, that makes waves over here because he was earning more than Ben Simmons, which also makes waves here because a lot of the American sports in Australia gets judged by how much someone's getting paid. So um, mm. we might Trav Pizzano in a little bit, um, the focus on him is not that he's, you know, he'll be Australia's first ever first round pick, but it's the money he's likely to get that makes the, that makes the headlines. But there's probably, it's baseball is a top 50 sport for participation. Um, and, you know, it doesn't sound great, but everything from about five down is just, yeah, similar numbers altogether. Um, and, uh, but for 15 year olds, uh, kids under 15, it's around 20th. So it's kind of, they okay. kids, kids come up with T-ball, they come up with a bit of baseball. And then when they get older and they want to run into things, they end up going to rugby, um, rugby league or Australian rules or something like that. And, um, sometimes they'll come back to baseball often. They won't. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the players who are in the cricket, the cricket team at the moment grew up on baseball, um, hmm. where they, which is why. 37 Aussies have played in the major leagues, but only 13 of them have been position players because 
Aussies seem to come over the, like the punters for the NFL. They seem to be all Australian. They're, it seems we can only produce pitchers, but that that might change with Bazana. But um, yeah, there's it, there's huge support for it, but it never seems to manifest in huge crowds at the ABL. You know, people writing to broadcasters saying, "Hey, where's the baseball?" You know, that sort of that sort of thing. Got it. So I'm curious because, like, in the World Baseball Classic this past year. Australia made their announcement to the party in a big way, like shocking South Korea, beating them eight to seven in the opening game. One of the better games of the tournament. And the Aussies reached the quarterfinals where they couldn't overcome Yohan Bacata, who was playing his best baseball, unfortunately for Team Cuba and not the White Sox in 2023. But that was a really tight game. And unfortunately, Australia lost four to three. But they reached the quarterfinals. Was this past World Baseball Classic performance one that could help build momentum for the Australian Baseball Federation? And did it garner more interest locally? It definitely raised awareness. Yes, uh, they made some made the news, which is made the news for on field things, which is good because normally, if you see baseball in the news, it's because there's been you know someone's charged a mound and there's benches cleared or something like that, or like I said, someone's getting paid heaps of money. So when they Got the results on the field. That kicked off. Um, Baseball Australia's social media presence went through the roof. They got all sorts of engagement and um, um, numbers and all those sort of things that they want. How did it go for growth here, though? That's a that's an interesting question. I don't know how you quantify it because there's no numbers for participation out yet. They got, because they made the quarterfinals, they, made, they got given about 600 grand Australian uh, for making it that far which for Australian baseball is a huge windfall. Um, mm-hmm. And the intent was that that would go into, you know, talent identification pathways and uh, those sort of uh, things for the, for the, um, for the sport here. It's, it's, it's interesting here in that the focus of baseball Australia is other national teams really, rather than the Australian baseball league, which is kind of run as its own thing. So a lot of the, a lot of the push, a lot of the PR, a lot of the you know uh, aspirational things that are done in baseball in Australia are to make the national team. And that's like a sporting cultural thing here. The idea is to, um, Australia loves their sporting team. So whatever sport it is, the, like the pinnacle of that is to get into your national team. And for Australian baseball in particular, where not everyone is guaranteed um, an MLB shot, you know, or that level of cash, then going to these tournaments is the, is the uh, is the goal is the aim um so being able to say i mean this has happened before australia won a silver medal in the 2004 olympics um with dave nilson who actually retired from mlb to come and play um in australia mm. uh, to try and build the game um liam hendrix has also said he's keen to build the game up and come back but it's i guess the success of the, it all rides on the success of success of the national teams across all levels because that also gets the points to be in competitions like the Premier Twelve, which is like World World Cup Junior, um, right. which I think starts next year. But things like that are really important to get the national team up in lights so that kids can see, oh, I can play, I can go to the Olympics, I can play in the um, World Baseball Classic, I can do, and then I can get seen, and then maybe I can go off and get a contract somewhere. Yeah, because so there's the international play that you mentioned, and you talked about the Australian Baseball League, and it's intended to be a winter league alternative to the Dominican Winter Ball League. So if you're a minor league player and you don't feel comfortable living in the DR because of the language barrier, well, you can go play baseball in Australia. 
what's the level of competition been like for the Australian Baseball League, AJ? Well, you probably you'd probably peg it at about high A, double A, um, from a quality point of view, and that's mainly because a lot of uh, prospects come over, get sent over by MLB clubs. Some some ABL teams have uh, partnerships with AB, with major league clubs. Like Perth has uh, Tampa, Brisbane has Milwaukee, um, Canberra have Toronto, but there's also a lot of um, uh, Japanese and Korean prospects who come over as well. So you're getting a good, decent level of competition um, and it's worth getting looked at too because around there's more than 70 people have gone from the ABL, not just Australians, have gone from the ABL up into the bigs. And uh, like Stone Garrett, who's playing at the moment, played in Sydney here. Uh, White Sox icon Jacob May played for Sydney yeah. as well. Um, you say Kikuchi played here. Um, Didi Gregorius played here. Kevin Kiermaier played here. Uh, Mike Brousseau played here. Reese Hoskin, Hoskins, pardon me, played here. And so did Ronald Acuna. He came out here when he was 17, um, his first pro outing. And um, you could tell he was better, much better than everyone else. But that's the sort of player that we get um, to come along from the imports. Um, Junior Caminero as well played out here just last year, uh, two years ago. Oh, nice. Um, before we came out to go there. So you're getting good entertainment. Um, the Aussie players then have to match that level coming in. So their skills up as well, um, which, you know, there's the whole pot and everyone's okay. So it's a good good night out. You'll get a, you'll get good quality uh, game. Um, and yeah, it's it's a lot of the time people will come. Yeah, there's there's a lot of American independent ball players who come out as well because they want at bats, they want innings right. um, to get seen by scouts and all that. There's a lot of scouts in Australia. Um, John Diebel, who used to be the national coach, um, now coaches the Melbourne Aces, he's Pacific Rim scout for the Dodgers. Um, Howie Norsetter is out here as well from Philly, um, and he used to be at Minnesota. So there was a lot of Aussies going through Minnesota uh, for a period of time when um, Howie Norsetter was working with them. So there's a good pathway there if you're good enough in the ABL uh, to get back up into something, you know, a bit, a bit of a higher level up in the uh, up in the bigs. Yeah, because you, right now as we're recording, former New York Yankees first baseman Greg Bird, if you remember Greg Bird podcast listeners. Uh, is leading the ABL in home runs. So when I'm up late at night and I'm seeing highlights from the Australian Baseball League on Twitter, it's like every day it's Greg Bird did something. Uh, I'm also curious about an Aussie, Alex Skepton. He's 22 years old. He's an outfielder. And AJ, he's hitting 414 with a 474 on base percentage and slugging 743. I don't <laughs> care what level of baseball it is. When you have an OPS over... 1200 that's going to garner some attention again he's only 22 years old and he's played in some of the u18 tournaments for team australia uh he's not with any minor league teams right now he's not associated with any teams in major league baseball so when i see someone like alex skepton and where the white Sox currently are as far as rebuilding the organization with the new front office like these are some of the diamonds in the rough that i want them to go after AJ because for years we know that the White Sox have had no problem throwing millions of dollars at unproven Cubans who are older than 20 years old and they never reached the majors. Like, yes, Luis Robert made it, Yoan Mikata made it, Jose Abreu made it, but any of the single digit millions of dollars like Yoki Cespedes, uh, mm. they have not made the major leagues and I just feel like you're just throwing away millions of dollars, which we all know that Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't like 
losing or wasting money at all when it comes to signing prospects. So that's why, like, when I look at the Australian Baseball League, and the more I go into it and learn about it, AJ, like, I feel like this is a rock that White Sox scouting should, you know, turn over and see if they can find some diamonds. And as you mentioned, like, it is that possibility with the types of players and the caliber of players that have played in the ABL. Like, it could be a good place to find diamonds in the rough. You're speaking my language. You're singing my song, Josh. Um, and the White Sox actually had a half a presence out here about 10 years ago. Adam Engel played for Melbourne, came out as a prospect. And Tommy Thompson was coach of Melbourne here. The White Sox had a bit of a, an affiliation with Melbourne, but Tommy Thompson was here on the back end of some, you know, pretty public personal troubles. Um, so it didn't work out all that well. But I agree with you that the Sox are absolutely burning talent down here. They need to have someone down here to... Um, check the Aussie kids. And you also touch on people like Skepton, but also Bazana and Oscar Hyde, who's a left-hand pitcher, has just signed with um, Oregon State as well in the last couple of days. Nice. There's, there's a big – it's not a battle, but they're trying to make it a cultural shift from young, teenage, early 20 players signing major league deals and then kind of disappearing into the minors and being lost to the game or going to college and spending that four years – um, getting the education, but also, you know, getting your baseball education as well. Um, because obviously here we don't have the pathways that will give you um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of at-bats um, or innings or, you know, whatever innings you need. And and the biomechanic work and the fitness work and everything that comes with that. A lot of the time when our junior national teams go to those like under-18 tournaments and that, they're completely overmatched, particularly when it comes to pitching because um, they haven't faced anyone quite like someone from Cuba or from Japan or Korea or, you know, you name it, anyone with a sweeper, basically. Um, so there's right now, there's probably 30, maybe a little bit more on major league rosters um, going through the minors and those sort of things. But there's another hundred or so in the college system. And that's where the advice has kind of been shifting from, Hey, I signed a big league contract. I'm, you know, I'm an 18 year old. I've signed this Solomon Maguire, who's on the books at the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, signed a deal for something like a million bucks our money, and he he was 17. Now, who's going to knock that back? He's not, he's not going to say sorry. I'm going to go to college. Right. Um, so those sort of deals still happen. There's still a lot of. Um, I think I can't remember if it was Chris Burke or someone has signed with Cincinnati recently. There's a lot of. There's still like the upper echelon of the talent is still signing with major league clubs and um i reckon i'm with you it's a it's a huge waste that the socks aren't having a look here at the yeah like um, hire five scouts hire five australian scouts that's all i'm asking aj and and work the abl work even follow the under 18 team because like to your point and we've been talking about him aj uh sorry with bazana uh, Travis Bazana for Oregon State. I have the over under at 3,000 words, AJ, that I'll be writing about Bazana this upcoming season for the 2024 Major League Baseball draft. And for White Sox fans, the reason why I'm going to write a lot about him, he was the Cape Cod League MVP. He hit 375 with a 456 on base percentage and slugged 581. With six home runs, 31 RBIs, and he has many walks as strikeouts using a wood bat. And he went to Drive Light and shot this really cool 10 minute documentary 
on how he reworked his swing at driveline and increased his bat speed by five miles per hour. So now his average bat speed at driveline was 74 miles per hour. And disclaimer, I do vote for the Dick Hauser award at college baseball. It is one of the player uh, of the year types of awards. There's the golden spikes. That's like the Heisman of college baseball. I don't vote for that, but I vote for one of the player of the year awards. And Bazana is going to be on my preseason watch list, AJ, just because of what he's already done at Oregon State, but what he did in the Cape Cod League, there's a lot of hype surrounding to him. And he's from Sydney. And watching some of the highlights as Oregon State shot a pretty cool video on YouTube about Bazana's journey on how he got discovered in Sydney and how he felt as he had baseball aspirations, as you mentioned, that the best way for him to succeed at the game of baseball and reach the majors was going the college baseball route. If Bazana performs as well as expected, if he meets the hype this upcoming season, AJ, for Oregon State, and he gets selected in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft, do you foresee teenagers in Australia that are currently playing maybe baseball or part of the travel baseball team decide Bazana is going to clear a pathway for us and we're going to follow his path and we're going to start playing college baseball in the States. I think, yes, I think, yes, for the reasons I said before, but Bazana is an animal. He's you, know, you, you mentioned the driveline training. Yeah. He's committed to that all day, every day, those sort of things. So there's the, the, model is there for the other kids who want to come through that that's what it takes and um speaking to a lot of the older abl players um they say they would love to have something like that on the way on their way up this is guys who made triple a level and things like that but they see these 17 year old prospects come through the the abl and they're like you know there's no australian player anywhere near that and how are you going to shape them up often it's through it's through the college system because once they're signing with an MLB team, it just becomes part of, the, part of the thing. You know, they don't know anything about diet or fitness or anything like that, like I mentioned before. So if Bazana goes in the first round, the other tricky part for Australia is, yes, you know, he, he's gone in the first round. Ideally, he falls to five. He probably won't. But um, <laughs> he, he'll, go in the, he'll go in the first round. That'll make the news. Um, there was a really good profile here written about him by um, – uh, baseball writer Andrew Jackson uh, about you know ten thousand words about the whole thing. It was really really good and in depth, and it got huge numbers. But if he goes in the first round, that's great. But then he kind of disappears unless he goes straight to AAA mashes and goes straight up to wherever he is. Um, mm-hmm. He pr- they probably won't track his journey through the majors through the minors. Sorry. Um, so it's kind of you know someone like Curtis Mead who's at Tampa won a lot of. Uh, uh, minor minor league awards as well came through came through now he's up in the big leagues no one had no one heard of him until he made the big leagues so that's the kind of um, coverage which is the problem unless he goes and mashes straight away um, they'll probably just you know hold off on reporting on him or anything like that until he makes his uh, major league debut it's Got a, it. a, this it's a strange system where you know you you get drafted and then you kind of learn your craft, hone your things, you know, it might be three, four, five years, you know, whatever it is before you go up. And um, it's kind of a, that that's foreign to how things are usually done here. Someone, an 18 year old kid who gets drafted to the Australian football league will be playing that year, pretty much every game. 
Got it. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's like American football as well. The guys that you're yeah. watching in college football, when they get drafted in the first round, yeah, you're watching them next year and Sundays in the NFL. I mean, this mm-hmm. type of system is kind of like with America and soccer. Like we just decided the MLS does not develop international players. Well, if team USA is going to be worth the damn, we got to send you away. We got to send you to Europe. Whether it's even if it's a second division, like go learn, play with the Germans, play with the Spaniards, play with the French, play with the British, stop playing in the MLS. Like, is that a fear in Australia? Because we we have heard it is a fear, like in South Korea, in the Korean Baseball League, they allow each team to only sign three foreign players a season to make sure they don't break the KBO that the KBO is still mostly made up of Korean baseball players. Is there that type of fear with Australia and the Australian baseball league that they still want to make it as Australian as possible? Yeah, there's definitely concerns with the number of imports that come across, particularly the like independent ball guys or the American association guys who come across and take a spot. Some people think, well, if it's a prospect from an MLB team, then fair enough. But if it's, you know, some journeyman who's had like 12 years and now he's coming down here just to have a game, then, you know, that, that spot could should probably go to a younger Aussie player. But mm-hmm. a lot of the Aussie players who are in the minors come back for the ABL, um, either to keep up their at-bats or their innings or even just to be around the teams. So it's quite the local um, contingent are really committed to it and – the way the league scales its um, salary cap, or I, I say mockingly salary cap because, you know, <laughs> two hamburgers and a bottle of, bottle of drink. Um, they squad, uh, Lineups are picked on points. So local player, zero points. So you can have as many of them as you want. And then as you go further down, if it's someone on MLB roster, you know, that certain number of points, then you can't go over a number of points to have your squad put together. Your roster. Got it. Okay. So that takes care of that to a, to an extent. Um, it's a great proving ground for the young kids for those reasons I said before that there's a lot of you know there's grizzled veterans, there's up and coming prospects, there's um, Aussie players who are just trying to tune, stay in stay in tune um, over the Christmas break here, um, and it it gets pretty stinking hot during the season here as well. So they'll learn about adversity, <laughs> um, but. Um, the cons- there, there are concerns about the number of imports, but it's kind of counterbalanced by the the baseball education that the Australian players are getting um, mm. from not just Australian veterans, but those who are you know living baseball da- every day. Because most of the um, most of the play- Australian players in the ABL, you know, are apprentices. They work full time. They do all sorts of stuff. Steve Kent, who is a friend of a friend of mine actually started that game against Cuba and uh, got Johan Moncada and Luis Robert out in his, in the first inning inning he did. And he's a guy who works, you know, he works a desk job day to day and plays baseball on the weekends. So, um, (laughs) so that's not good for Luis Robert, Johan Moncada. Like they don't want to I like to think Johan did his back (laughs) swinging hard at uh, Steve, but yeah. Um, But that's the sort of, I mean, younger players coming up need, you know, a clubhouse surround and those sort of things. And there's a there's a cohort here in Australia who are keen to just either limit imports as much as you can um, and let Aussies take the spots. But 
then you start to get into the viability of the league because uh, the prospects that get sent over by the ML, by MLB are all catered for by their clubs. Um, you know, they billeted out to some like I could have someone living here if I wanted to who was playing in the ABL. Um, but um, it's it's a really tricky balance because the, the the ABL has gone broke several times before, and uh, the version okay. we have at the moment, Dave Nielsen actually. Put in, tipped in a million dollars of his own money a few years ago, probably mid two thousands, to create his own ABL called the uh, International Baseball League. That fell over as well. Um, in the uh, late in the mid late nineties, the ABL used to have crowds of like fifteen thousand people. They used to play in huge venues. Uh, it was broadcast live on free to air TV, which is absolutely critical here in Australia. Um, uh, nowadays. Um, that league went broke, then Nielsen's league went broke, then Major League picked it up, MLB picked it up around 2010, and that's the league we have at the moment, been going for about 13 years. Now, um, I'll just correct you slightly from what you said before, Josh. MLB picked it up in 2010 under a five-year deal, and when that five years came up in 2016, they exited. So ah, okay. the, league, the league's on its own money and on its own legs now, and uh, that that's really that can be really sketchy sketchy stuff so they they need to rely on those imports being paid by someone else to fill their roster um to be competitive uh if you follow it's kind of a vicious cycle um because that's why that 600 grand i was talking about before that went to baseball australia something like that is so critical and why so much of the focus is on the national teams um particularly the men's team because that's an olympic sport and olympic sports in australia receive much more government funding than uh, non-Olympic sports. So every time they start to announce, well, is baseball and softball going to be in the Olympics? Everyone here, you know, crosses their fingers, eyes, legs, ears, everything to see that it gets through because there's there's going to be huge money problems if it doesn't. So that's the kind of, you know, you see the tightrope we're walking here yeah. um, when it comes to the game here. And the our women's team missed the World Cup recently as well, bombed out in the qualifiers, which is an absolute disaster as well because um, they they – well, A, they need the points for the WBSC ranking, but being able to push that team to get uh, more uh, women and girls involved in playing as well, they're, they're really trying to make, they were trying to make a concerted push for that. And missing the Women's World Cup is huge, is a huge problem. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, Paris, France decided they didn't want to build baseball and softball diamonds. They replaced baseball and softball in 2024 with breakdancing. Yeah. Uh, baseball and softball will be back in the Olympics in 2028 when Los Angeles hosts the Summer Olympics. Mm. And Bazana's going to be 26. No, Bazana will be 29, 30 years old yeah uh, hopefully the socks so, will release him for that but we'll see <laughs> that's true that's true a, a couple more things like with australian baseball because like this pipeline of aussies going to college because i i have this theory that we're going to see this with korea and japan that korean high schoolers and japanese high schoolers are going to skip their national leagues and start heading to america because it is the loophole if you get drafted in the mob draft because you went to college in the states then you don't have to wait to be posted mm. like shohei otani, uh, otani did or yoshinobu yamamoto did and you can get into the major leagues younger than having to wait until you're in your mid-20s and then have to wait to get posted by your respective team into the league uh so is there a lot of competition for Aussie baseball players? Like, do they feel that heat from Japan and Korea that um, globally they're not very close to each other as far as countries, but in America, when looking at baseball, we just put those countries into the same region. Japan garners the most attention than Korea and then Australia. Do Aussies feel that heat from a baseball perspective that they live under the shadow of Japan and Korea? Yeah, well and truly. And that's why that win over Korea was such an important thing because we've gone, we go to all these tournaments and normally it's Cuba we match up with. We play Cuba a lot for some reason. It always yeah. ends up being Cuba in a tournament, but we play friendly games against them too. We play a lot against Japan um, in various uh, variations of our team and theirs. Um, so the comparison, um, well, I won't speak for everyone, but the comparison I like to make is with Japan particularly around development and those sort of things. But the scale is just not, it's not a competition. Japan, it's, you know, national sport here in Australia. It's what we've spoken about. But um, I think the money Yamamoto got and uh, Otani as well is probably going to push a lot more Japanese kids into college. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, I mean, they have a very entrenched league with very entrenched systems and processes. So, you know, it, it'd be really, imagine the discussions from a kid saying, no, I want to turn my back on all of that and go play college. Um, mm -hmm. I think more kids will have to do it, but I think it's definitely something that is going to happen um, for the reasons you said, they don't need to be, they don't need to worry about being put up for posting or anything like that. And all the politics and drama that comes with that. Um, they're, they're in more, they're in control of their own destiny. And, um, I think comparing that to Australia, it's our players 
need the access to those pathways and things like that. And that's why there's so many more going to college to um, graduate, you know, education and baseball. And then finally, how can Major League Baseball help with the growth of the sport in Australia? Like it's been a minute, as the cool kids would say, AJ, since Major League Baseball hosted a game in Australia. And typically when they do, it's the West Coast teams that fly over a week before spring training ends to start their regular season. I believe Seoul, Korea will be hosting the Dodgers and Padres to start the year. I would I would love for the White Sox to participate in these international games. I'm not so crazy about the White Sox playing in London. Like, pass. Uh, the White Sox should play in Australia. So how can MLB help with the growth of the sport? And if the White Sox ever do play in Australia, like, what is the best city that they should play in? Well, I'd probably say in 2014, uh, Dodgers and D-backs played opening series here, two game, a two-game opening series. And nearly 80,000 people went to that. It was at the Sydney Cricket Ground um, where they play Aussie Rules football and cricket, obviously. Okay. Um, they fitted out, find the pictures, find the video. They fitted it out like a proper a proper ballpark and it looked absolutely sensational. Um, there's really cool like time-lapse uh, photography of the way they fixed it all up and made it the diamond. It was an f- incredible looking ground. So I would say you'd probably play there. A lot of the Australian football grounds can seat 100,000, uh, 100,000, 60,000, 80,000, but they're too big. They're too cavernous, if that makes sense. The Sydney Cricket yeah. Ground was perfect for baseball. It was a beautiful day. Um, you know, everyone went, everyone went and enjoyed it. And this is the other thing about I'm saying about the latent support. I mean, you've got nearly 80,000 people there across the two games. Stadium was capacity both days. Um, Team Australia played the Diamondbacks in a warm-up game and beat them as well, which got a little bit of a bump here. But here we are, here we are, ten years later, and um, there's been no more games here. Um, no one even comes out here for preseason. A couple of the Korean teams come out here and do some training, do you know, do their spring training and run a couple of games against local teams and and a makeshift Australian team after everyone's gone back to the minors. But I guess what I would say, the, the main way Major League baseball could help is cash and broadcasting if they put it through MLB TV. Um, because at the moment, um, the ABLs broadcast on three separate um, platforms. One's Baseball Plus, which the league owns and operates. Uh, the Melbourne Aces run their own YouTube channel and Perth Heat run something uh, called, oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's run through Channel 7 uh, over there, one of the TV networks over there. Um, so, a consolidated streaming package because they're never going to get the free-to-air coverage they used to have. But some, if MLB could assist with that and run it through their platform, that would be huge. Um, money always helps. It, it would cost them nothing, you know, well, million bucks, but, you know, that's nothing. <laughs> nothing it's for nothing for Major League yeah. Baseball, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's just so hard to keep money in the game here because the talent seeps out to the other sports um, it's, you know, someone like Bazana will go in the first round and then, you know, there's no consistent rumbling along of uh, players doing well or anything like that. Um, uh, I mean, when when um, Hendricks came to the Sox and got, what, a 38-odd saves or whatever it was, they, they weren't like, uh, let's compare that to Matthew Delavadova in the NBA. Um, if Hendricks came out, did a five-out save, um, incredible game, blah, 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 nothing. If Delavadova came out, hit eight points, got three assists, um, and uh, when he was at Cleveland, and Cleveland won by 20, 
there's an article, Matthew Delavanova contributed to this win. So that's the sort of, you know, baseball needs to break that ceiling and it, it's really hard to do that. So I guess the first thing I would ask Major League Baseball to do is help consolidate the base before they start, you know, demanding things like that, um, which is where a solid streaming comes in, where a bit more financial security comes in. The ABL clubs are... Um, run by license holders baseball australia hold the uh own the teams but people pay money and they are the license holder for all intents and purposes they are the owner um and if they lose money or whatever or they go broke or whatever then the license reverts back to baseball australia and that has happened a lot um we were an eight-team competition until the eve of this year there was a new zealand team and there was a team based in geelong which is a coastal city here um but it was uh, full of Korean prospects, Geelong Korea, they were called. Um, okay. COVID kind of stuffed that up because New Zealand's an overseas trip. You need visas and all that sort of thing. Um, and Korea couldn't send their people. So both of those teams are now gone. So it's a 16 competition. And license holders are really, um, if you thought Jerry didn't, didn't spend money, it's not that these license holders don't spend money, it's that they can't because... There's so much, um, they're stretched so thin just trying to get a team on the ground that I guess more, 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 more foundational cash would be generational. But I guess MLB would say, well, we already did that. And, um, you know, now you're on your own feet. But again, like I said, it would, it would be nothing. It would be chicken feed to them to get back involved. But um, we'll have to see. I mean, um, MLB, they've, They've got um, offices around the world. They've got an office in London, one in Beijing, one in India, obviously one in Korea and Japan. They've got nothing here. Um, when they bowed out of their partnership with the ABL, the intent was that they would do run like an academy up on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Um, but that's okay. neither here nor there. You know, nothing really. Uh, you don't hear players coming out of, oh, I went to MLB Academy and here I am. Um, the players still have to kind of, stand on their own two feet. So we need help. I'll put it, put that bluntly um, and it wouldn't cost much, but um, I think also teams like the White Sox putting resources into scouting and that down here as well would make a difference too. Again, if Bazana wins the golden spikes, he wins the Dick Hauser award, he gets selected in the top five. You know how major league baseball is AJ. Everyone is going to be like, we need to find the next Travis Bazana. Yeah. <laughs> send send scouts to Australia. These guys must exist. We've got to find them. It's just like with the NFL, one good Australian punter. Now every college seems to have an Australian punter. Uh, it seems to be like a pipeline. So it's all about trying to find new pipelines when you have restrictions in Korea and Japan. I, I just, I feel like after this conversation, I'm sold. Australian, Australia is a great opportunity for Major League Baseball. It's a great opportunity for the Chicago White Sox. They just need to put in some effort. And again, yeah. if Pizana has a great season, that could be the catalyst, AJ, for yeah. more interest, at least from the States, into Australian baseball. Well, hopefully they get here. Hopefully they get here first after all that happens. But yeah, the kids grow up playing similar sport. Cricket's a very similar sport with the throwing and hitting. Yeah. Um, well, there's just minor technical tweaks that need to happen, really. And um, you've got yourself a ball player. Exactly. Well, 
You could follow AJ on Twitter. He's at AJ Mithin. And again, check out his show, A Sporting Discussion, wherever you listen to podcasts. And AJ, I'm really excited to visit Australia for the first time. I think we're going to meet up. Uh, you said you wanted me to bring Malort, and I could definitely bring Malort along. Uh, you are a sick bastard if you want to do a shot of Malort with me, but yeah, I could do that with you. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the Sox Machine Podcast. No problems. Looking forward to having you. And that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you just discovered the Sox Machine Podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Music. We also upload our podcast into our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Machine. If you enjoy our videos and watch the videos on our YouTube channel, please subscribe to it. You can also follow us on social media or on all the platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, Facebook. You can follow us at Machine. You can follow me there at Machine underscore Josh. If you enjoy our work and you want more, you can get more by becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Machine. Our Patreon supporters get exclusive content and invites to exclusive events and ad-free versions of both the podcast and the website. Monthly plans start at $2 and you can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash Machine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're on for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening and watching. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.